What's up, sons and daughters? We are back. It is the crew from the Locks of Saturday. Robert, Chris, Brett, Michael are joining me. I am Sam Jesse, and we are thrilled to have you back. We're here for our national predictions. This is our last predictions episode of the offseason. Next week, fellas, is week one. How excited are we? We are less than 10 days away from major college football. How are we feeling? Hey, we got week zero this week. Come on, Illinois. Nebraska. I mean, come on, that's got a big game. We could have a coach firing here. Yeah, we could have a coach firing after game one. Major college football. The the week zero. I don't think there's any major college football going on. The UConn Huskies are playing for the first time in two years. It's a holiday. (laughs) They are playing for the first time since Jonathan the 14th um, passed away. May he rest in peace. Jonathan 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 the 15th. Excuse me. Big chance for the W. Plus 27 and a half at Fresno State if you're interested in that. But we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about the big boys real quick. We're going to do some college football playoff picks. And just so you know, we're doing value picks. Value based on what you can bet for these teams to make it to the college football playoff. Obviously, if we were going to do our predictions, we'd all be sitting here with Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and we'd go home happy but we're not going to do that. It's not worth it to bet those teams constantly. You're not going to make the money that you want to make here. And we're all about making money at the locks of Saturday. We're going to give you our value picks and guys, let's get right into it. Give me your value lock for this. Give me the team that gives you a high amount of value on those odds, but you think is a surefire team that can make the college football playoff. Irby, get us going. All right, Sam, I know you said not to do Oklahoma, but I am going to do Oklahoma anyway. And here's my argument is that their odds right now are minus 164, um, which again, that's not the highest value that you're going to find on the FanDuel Sportsbook, but they are also fourth on the list behind, as you said, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. So that in itself makes them slightly an underdog maybe to make the playoff. Uh, so I think that they are a clear lock for the playoff, but I'm going to take it a step further and I'm going to throw out this, they're plus 800 odds to win the whole thing. And I think that Oklahoma is the best team in the country. I think this is the year finally that Lincoln Riley gets over the hump and that he can finally, um, win the big one. You know, you have, you have Spencer Rattler here who I think he has a chance to have some. Um, incredible numbers, like video game type numbers. Oklahoma is an offense where they air it out a lot, and he is a very, very talented quarterback. I think like much like the Oklahoma team last year, Rattler kind of had a slow start, as did his team. But then once he was able to turn it on and really play to the full extent of his abilities, so was his team. The, what their weakness has been in years past, you know, they get into the playoff, they usually get matched up with an SEC team, and they just are powerless to stop anything with their defense. It's just touchdown after touchdown. I mean, Joe Burrow threw what, like six touchdowns in the first half against them or something like that. Uh, But this could be the best Oklahoma defense that the Sooners have seen in, in years. And I mean years. Lincoln Riley has been invested in fixing that weakness on the defense. And he brings in Alex Grinch as a defense coordinator away from Ohio State. And I think it's paid off. Um, Sharp College Football actually had them as the number one defense in America in 2020. Now, a part of that is inflated by they don't really know how to deal with Big 12 offenses on their metric quite yet uh, with a lot of high scoring offenses, but they do have numbers that back that up. They were ninth in the country in rush defense. 
They were ninth in the country in pass defense efficiency. They were 29th in total defense, and they were 29th in scoring defense. And if you look at last year in their bowl game, they beat Florida 55-20. to 20. That's a 35-point victory over the team that had just taken the national champion Alabama to the wire in the SEC championship game. They got Kyle Trask, who was an NFL quarterback, now in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to throw three picks. And it was just this great balanced offensive and defensive performance. And I see a lot more of those performances coming uh, this year for the Sooners as they will, in my opinion, win the whole thing. Yeah, I'll kind of agree with Robbie here. I mean, Oklahoma at minus 200 odds. When you're talking about value to at least lock into the college football playoff, a lot of people think of obviously Bama, Clemson, and OSU as the perennial kind of just always there. But people forget that OU's been there the exact same amount of times as OSU. They just have yet to win a game. So uh, in terms of lock to make it at those odds, those are the best on the board. Um, I did some thinking about this one, and, and obviously – you know, they had the devastating loss at the assistant head coach position. I know uh, they're going to have some tough time recovering from losing Shane to South Carolina, and they're going to have to retool a lot this year. But I do think they have the roster to be able to get it done. Uh, so um, Oklahoma minus uh, 164, uh, that's a definite lock. And uh, good luck to Shane going uh, three, three and nine next year at South Carolina. For reference, before we get to Brett, um, just so everyone's clear, again, we are using the FanDuel numbers. And also Alabama is sitting at minus 310 to make the college football playoff. They are only beaten by Clemson, who is at minus 650 to make the college football playoff. So you're not going to really make a lot of money if you bet Clemson to make the college football playoff. That's what we're getting to here. Brett, who's your value pick? More of the same here. I mean, Oklahoma, just off sheer value, like you said, Sam, there's just really no other picks that you can really lock in that give you any value. I mean, minus 164 for a, uh, I mean, a perennial college football team. I feel like a perennial college football playoff team is just good value there. I mean, Robert hit all, hit it on the head with the much better improved defense is something they always struggled with. I mean, you could argue that that Oklahoma team, like you said, against LSU was an awesome team, but they just got absolutely torched by a lightning in a bottle kind of team. I mean, I don't see where you could go wrong with Oklahoma, the only team standing in the way is for them, I think, is Iowa State. Um, I think they could, you know, surprise some people, which we'll talk, which I will talk about later. I can't believe that this hasn't been said yet. Um, and I think a lot of this might be our Power Five bias, but Cincinnati is plus 2,700 and they have two good Power Five teams on the schedule on the road at Indiana at Notre Dame. And there is a good chance that Cincinnati could run the table, go 12-0, and and put themselves in a really good position to potentially make a college football playoff. I, If I'm the committee and I look at Cincinnati's schedule and Indiana ends up being a pretty decent Big Ten team again and Notre Dame wins nine games, which we all think Notre Dame's going to take a step back, but... I mean, how big of a step back. They have a, a great running back in Kyron Williams. They got, they still got talent on defense. They got one of the best defensive players in the country at safety in Kyle Hamilton. Like, there's still talent on that roster at Notre Dame. They could still win nine games. And Cincinnati goes out and wins that game. Plus 2,700. Are you kidding me? They could absolutely run the table with that schedule. And if they do that, you got to dare the committee to keep them out at 13 and 0. Now, with that being said, two really good SEC teams this year in Alabama and Georgia another really good one in Florida. There's a decent chance SEC 
could get you know more than one team in the college football playoff. If that's the case, Cincinnati is going to be in really rough shape because Oklahoma is going to be really good, Ohio State's going to be really good, and Clemson's a shoe in. So that makes the road a bit more difficult. But plus twenty seven hundred, I mean, I think that's great odds, and you got a favorable schedule. We will get to Cincinnati, but I, I'm telling you what, plus 2,700, and that line has grown over the past couple of weeks. That is a really interesting one, considering the schedule that they are putting together. Reminiscent of that, those uh, Houston teams with De'Ara King as a young quarterback. For me, Wait, my but, top... But, but Mike, Mike, are you are you saying that you are locking Cincinnati into the playoff, though? Yeah, that is a good question. Are you locking in Cincinnati? Put it out there, Mike. Come on, do it. Yeah, put me. You're that put was me the, the criteria here. for the question. It was a criteria for the question. It, it I was a lock. I can lock in. That's that's fair. Um, I mean, I think they're going to go undefeated. Now the question is, will the committee put them in? I think that's why the value is plus twenty seven hundred. But I mean, I'd put them in at thirteen and zero. I don't so, think there's a shot they get left out if they're thirteen and zero. I don't either. I don't either. Well. If it, Sam, I think the only way is if you got multiple SEC teams you're going to try to put in. You know, one lost Georgia in the SEC championship game, undefeated Alabama. I think that's the only way that you kind of run down that path. I, I'm i going to zig a little bit, and I'm going to go with the other kind of perennial power as my value lock. Ohio State at minus 192. I, I know I know, I'm a little hypocritical. I'm wearing the Oklahoma jersey. I'll get to that later. Uh, Y'all can't see that. It's a podcast. But I just think Ohio State has a roster that is so much better than every single team that they are going to play this season. Wide receiver core, best in the country. Defensive line, best in the country. C.J. Stroud, elite quarterback. I I don't care how many games he's played. He's going to be wearing scarlet and gray. He's going to be amazing. I don't need to see this movie again. I I know what it's like with Ohio State. They're going to steamroll through everybody. They're probably going to make it. They're still as talented. Ryan Day has a machine going up there. And I think at minus 192, that's a really good value because I don't see anyone standing in their way. The only thing standing in their way would be a team from the Big Ten West in Wisconsin or Iowa that they would have to play in in Indianapolis in the Big Ten championship game. They've won the past five Big Ten championship games that they're a part of. They do not lose that game. They play well in that game. I think they're a virtual lock to make the college football playoff this year. Even with one loss, if you consider that one loss would be to Oregon, who we will talk about later as well. That's 11 and one with your one being a Big Ten champion with your one loss being Oregon gets you in the playoff of your Ohio State. We have seen that time and time again. One loss as a big name program and you're into the college football playoff. All right, next step. We're going to pick two of these teams for the next one. These are kind of our stretch picks. These are two teams that have really good value, but we're not 100% locking in. Let's go back to Robert. Who is your two stretch picks? All right, uh, you guys are going to find that one of my picks is far uh, stretchier than the other. Uh, counts. Yes, we will start with the less pliable, which will be Georgia- at plus 162. Uh, I'm putting them on this list as good value because they are plus odds. Um, And I do think that they're a lot like Oklahoma in how they started off slow, but they got hot at the end of last year. Uh, And honestly, I think Georgia and Oklahoma were two teams that no one really wanted to see last year and were very fortunate that they didn't have to. Um, And once once they inserted JT Daniels as their quarterback in the lineup, um, their offense really took off. It had been far too stagnant before. Um, With with Daniels under center, they averaged just under 35 points a game in four games. 
Uh, you add on their defense that is always, always good and chock full of NFL talent. And I think you're looking at one of the most balanced rosters in college football. I also really love their schedule. You know, you start that first game with Clemson. Obviously, that's, you know, <laughs> that's as tough a game as you can play, right? But here's the thing. I think whoever wins that game, it doesn't necessarily matter. Like, I think that you can lose that game if you're either team. You can lose that game and you can still make the playoff. If Georgia goes 11 and one or 12 and one and their one loss is to Clemson, they're still making the playoff and, and vice versa for Clemson. Um, and aside from that Clemson game, can you guys guess how many currently ranked teams are on Georgia's schedule besides Clemson? I'm going to go with one and they're playing in Jacksonville. Yep. It's Florida. And that's the only other ranked team they have to play. So you're playing Clemson in a game where if you lose, it doesn't matter. And then you play one ranked team the rest of the way until the SEC championship, if you're able to beat Florida. So essentially what you're looking at is between the Clemson game, Florida game, and SEC championship game. If you're Georgia, you win two of those games, you're in the playoff. And so I think that they'll do that. And I think that they're a, they're close to a lock, but not quite a lock into the playoff. Now, my next pick, the super stretchy pick, is going to be Oregon at plus 920. I, I'm all about the Ducks this year. I know uh, Chris is cringing right now as a Southern Cal guy. Uh, he's giving me the thumbs down. This is a much better value than the other two picks that I've listed so far. Um, but they are just bringing back so much talent. I looked at the returning talent index that uh, Football Outsiders put out a few months ago. And it kind of builds off of Bill Connolly's um, sort of same concept at ESPN, but it factors in recruiting rankings as well. And so Oregon is ranked number two in this index, meaning that according to this metric, they have the number two most talented roster as far as what they're bringing back in the country. Um, and, and they are doing so. They're bringing back so much on offense and on defense. Uh, my hesitation comes from the quarterback position. Uh, they, they're losing Tyler Shuck, who honestly wasn't really that good anyway. Uh, quarterback was kind of a question mark for them all season and probably played a role in them having a bit more of a disappointing 2020 than they would have liked. Um, but there are a lot of Duck fans out there that are excited about Ty Thompson, who is a, a five-star true freshman, elite 11 guy. Apparently, he's really lighting it up in the spring. He enrolled early, just has a very, very high high ceiling. I think that if he is able to be inserted into the lineup and play to his capabilities to some degree, he's the kind of quarterback that could carry the Ducks into a playoff appearance. Um, they also have Anthony Brown. I don't necessarily think Anthony Brown is capable of leading them to the playoff, but if you throw Thompson in there and Thompson really just plays to his capabilities, uh, this guy really is the limit for the Ducks. Irby, I, I quite literally could not agree with you more. Those are my two stretch picks for this. Look, Georgia plus odds, they're one, they're probably the most talented team in the country, especially where it counts in the defensive front seven. They have had a few injury issues during the offseason. So I think that is contributing them to plus 162, but they're going to be favored, I think, in every game they play this year. I'm not sure. Um, what we'll see is a final line for that Georgia Clemson game. But going back to that Georgia Clemson game and the game that they play against Florida and Jacksonville under Kirby smart, Georgia's nine and six in neutral site games. That's above 60% just about, and that's not an astronomical number by any means, 
But you have to consider that about half of those games, maybe more, have been against Florida and Alabama. So it's not like they're playing, you know, random little teams in neutral site games for the Chick-fil-A kickoff. They're playing two of the top programs in the country, and they're still coming out at over 60%. I really do think that they are as close to a lock as you can get without being a lock for the college football playoff. Because just like we talked about with Ohio State, and just like we'll continue to talk about, if you're a major program and you have one loss, you have a really good chance of getting into the college football playoff. And then to Oregon at plus 920, uh, put something on Oregon at plus 920. They have, and we'll talk about Heisman later, but Kavon Thibodeau, I think is the best pure football player in college football. He is a monster. He's going to be a top two or three draft pick next year. He's already signed with Nike. This defense is returning a lot, including Panay Sewell's little brother, who was Pac-12 defensive freshman of the year last year. I think they are really good. They return a lot on offense. And the same rationale as I'll use as Ohio State. They could go 11-1, and one, and that one loss be at the shoe against Ohio State. They're definitely making it in as the Pac-12 champion. And you know, just the way that they have recruited the last two or three years, the way that they have been able to develop talent there that they have recruited, they're not kind of like you know Miami and Texas that has kind of let those five stars go to waste. They've used them well. I think Oregon at plus 920 is a phenomenal, phenomenal stretch pick to get in there. Chris, uh, I jumped you in the order, but Irby and I were just on the same wavelength there. No, we always are. I'm actually shocked that each of you went with Oregon because the goal of this exercise was to actually not only pick value, but win the listener's money. And so by wavering on not picking one, but two of the top behind Bama SEC teams to plug the SEC spot in the college football playoff is the only play here when you're talking about teams that have great value, but you're not 100%. Listen, I don't know much about how this is all going to shake out, but I will guarantee that an SEC team is making the college football playoff. Like that is a guarantee of who we'll have yet to see. But if I can get plus odds, like you said, 162 on Georgia, and I'm looking at Texas A&M at plus 920, that's the same odds as Oregon. Why would you go Oregon over Texas A&M in this spot? We saw nothing but improvement from them last season. They were, the, I think, the odd man out in terms of the team that probably had a pretty good justifiable shot of making it legitimately last season. Yes, they lost Kellen Mond, but, you know, under old Jimbo, you know, they're starting to create a little bit more of a quarterback factory there. And he actually knows how to win a national title winning program because he's won a national title before with Florida State. Um, And this is also a testament to the defense. And one of my favorite, you know, coordinators out there for positional hire probably next year is going to be Mike Elko. I love what he's done with that defense, what he's done as a defensive coordinator. They're not only number one, create. I think they were the second-ranked rush defense in the nation last year. They got them in the SEC, which is tough to be a top 50 pass defense. I think they continually improve upon that. Um, so they're, they're, to me, one of the probably at 920, undervalued, if you can even think of that, SEC teams. And likely if Bama falters for some reason, if they have just kind of a hiccup with Bryce Young and things go wrong there in uh, Tuscaloosa, getting Texas A&M right behind, behind them at plus 920 as the eventual replacement for that spot is it's easy money. And also if that happens and they get that amount of success and I'm with Badcock and the Virginia tech season goes South, Mike Elko is the first person I'm calling on line one. I love him. I love that guy. And uh, I hate saying it, but go Aggies horns down. <laughs> well, I'm going to zig, I guess, or, or zag, everyone say here. I got two totally different picks here. My first one's going to be, Iowa State 
Yeah, it's true. People think Oklahoma owned the conference. I mean, in reality, they do. But, I mean, Iowa State's got a, still a really good football team and one of the better coaches in the country that if they probably win 10-plus games this year will not be any longer at, Ohio, at Iowa State if Michigan finally decides to fire Harbaugh or somebody or another team finally decides to fire somebody else. I mean, Matt Campbell is good as gone to somewhere. That being said, they're at plus 610. I mean, Brock Purdy, I mean, he's had shades of, you know, sheer poor play, but he's also, I mean, he's projected to be a, a good quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he's a good leader. I mean, he's been there forever. I think this team really has a chance to actually run the table if they get through Oklahoma. Um, that's really, I, that's the only team. I think they're the only two teams that each other's boy this year in the Big 12. Iowa plays Iowa State in the beginning, but I think Iowa State's honestly just the better team this uh, this go around. Uh, Iowa State plays Texas, but I'm still not sold on Texas. I don't know why anybody is. They play pretty much have a pretty manageable schedule to run the table, and I think they can get in. That being said, my second team is Mike's value lock is Cincinnati. I'm gonna I have them as my stretch pick. Um, I'm on Mike. Honestly, I almost had them at my value lock as well. Um, I mean, they beat Indiana, Notre Dame. I think they're they're thirteen and zero. They're in. I don't see why the committee the committee is going to get put to shreds if they don't let another undefeated um, non power five team in that actually is legit. And I think this is the most legit non power five team there's been since the playoff era started, in my opinion. Um, I think this is way better than that undefeated national champion with an asterisk UCF team. I think this team is drastically better than them. They have NFL players all over the field, uh, possible first rounders with. Desmond Ritter, I mean, he might be a lock for the first round. Mijai Sanders, defensive end, def- he's, a, he's definitely a lock for the first round, one of the better defensive ends in the country. Um, and then Sauce Gardner, one of the greatest uh, – that's his nickname, but one of the greatest nicknames in college football coming out this year. Um, the defensive back, he's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he's, I think I saw today he's hasn't, he's hasn't let up a pass, a completed pass in like 80-something attempts or something absolutely insane. Um, I think this team just – is the best it's ever been. I think Fickle, this is the best team he's ever had. Uh, he's a great coach. He's got the program going in unbelievable direction. It's almost like he doesn't want to leave. Like he just wants to make Cincinnati just the perennial uh, non-power five team that to just screw everybody, screw everybody else every year. And at plus 2,700 is absolutely insane. I mean, there's plenty of other teams in here that have competitive conferences that they lose one game, one or two games, they're automatically done. I mean, that's the same case for Cincinnati. But I mean, but they're at plus like 920. You know, 600 for Iowa State. I mean, at plus 2,700 for the Cincinnati team, it's just absolutely insane to not even put something on it. So that's my stretch pick. I mean, it was almost my value lock pick. So I didn't think Mike was that crazy to say that. I mean, we got to we gotta start hot. So I just fired from the hip with Cincinnati yeah. as my lock. Um, so the, the thing about Luke Fickle, too, real quick, like Luke Fickle reminds me a lot of Chris Peterson. It's like a new era, new age, yes. like Boise exactly. deal where like you don't think he's ever going to leave. He eventually does, but he seems like he's just going to be there forever. Um, I'll keep mine quick because you guys really covered them. I mean, my first one's Georgia. I think Georgia's the best team in the SEC. So you guys might ask, why didn't I have them as my lock with the first question? Well, the answer is because Kirby Smart seems to always get in his way. Like he just gets in his own way. And I think they're the most talented team in the SEC, but Nick Saban, I think is going to have Alabama better coach. So if it comes down to it, I'm not sure I'm going to be fully confident in picking Georgia in that matchup, even though I do think talent wise, they're a better team. Um, but at plus 162, given all their talent, like if not now, then when for Kirby smart. So I really like them at plus 162. And then my second team is Iowa state. Um, 
at plus 610, I think you got to put something on it with what they have coming back with Brock Purdy, who, I mean, like Brett mentioned, he's had games where he's just been flat out bad, but he's also had games where he's been really good. And you got Brees Hall at running back and there's talent returning all across the roster. They were a 10 win team last year. My only concern with Iowa state, um, not being a hundred percent in on them is they couldn't really pull away from teams last year, right? Even like the bad teams on their schedule, they never really showed like a dominant streak. And if you want a playoff team, you're looking for that right week in and week out. Iowa State reminds me of Notre Dame in some years, right? Where like they're doing enough to beat the teams on their schedule and they clearly have talent, but can they have that killer instinct in the big games? And that's what I worry about with Iowa State. But I think in a one game, you know, a one game matchup with an Oklahoma, you got to like Iowa State's chances. If they can get pressure on Spencer Rattler, he turns the ball over a few times, which he's been known to do. Um, you know, you never know. So they have a talented team. I think they're a good value pick at plus 610. Irby, give us a dark horse for this college football playoff. Give me a long shot. Well, I said earlier that Oregon was number two in that returning talent index. But who was number one? LSU. And I am throwing out... LSU plus 2300. You said really a dark horse. This. We're really doing I, this, huh? I, hey, hey, you said a dark horse. It's 23 to one. Come on. And last year was up and down to say the least, but the Tigers do have all of this talent. They have consistently done well on the recruiting trail. Their ceiling is high. Everyone's laughing at me. We but. haven't we haven't discussed this yet, but now we are for sure picking UCLA, LSU in week one. Oh no! LSU, so go LSU on. Season was saved by a shoe last year. Let's just remember that. No, no, no. Con- convince me. I mean, because you're right. Like in terms of talent, like at this point, if you have a team that's over plus two thousand in the odds with that kind of talent, it's not a terrible pick. Right. Exactly. It's not a terrible pick. Do I think it's going to happen? No. But there is a path. There is a path. Like, is it worth throwing just a little bit of money at it? Because it's 23 to 1. I think so. Uh, Their high ceiling count is all over the place. But especially if you look at their defense and you look at Derek Stingley and Eli Ricks are both lockdown corners. Derek Stingley might be the best defensive player in the country uh, besides Thibodeau from Oregon, of course. And he'll be a top five draft pick. I really like what Max Johnson brought to the table for them at quarterback last year. He has a big arm and he takes care of the ball well. He threw eight touchdowns last year and had only one interception. Uh, he ran the ball really well. And I don't know, Orgeron has been here before. He is he has put together a national championship team before. Was that his doing as in his coaching? I don't know, maybe not. A lot of it had to do with the staff around him. But speaking of which, he got rid of Bo Pelini, finally. And so you have Pelini gone. You bring in an NFL guy, Durante Jones, who was with the Vikings. Now you bring him into defensive coordinator. I think he'll help bolster that defense and help them reach their full potential. And I think with Johnson under center and guys like Stingley um, leading the defense with a, a an NFL defensive coordinator, again, is it going to happen? I, I don't personally think so, but could it? Absolutely. That chance is always there, and I think it's a good value. Fight me. Irby, I'll I'll chime in here. I'll help you out a little bit, honestly. In 2019- Please, I need it. In the 2019-2020 season, LSU going in in August of 2019, their odds were 21-1 to going into the 2019-2020 season. 
and look what they did. So I'm not, I'm just going to throw that out there. I was just curious of myself because I thought honestly it was higher than that. All right. I'm going to put an end to this madness because let's not compare 2019 LSU was like the ultimate Cinderella season for any football team ever. Joe Burrow, I think had like the, what plus 200 QBR for the season. It was just a complete, um, like just perfection. So great odds, but yeah, like Irby said, I, I wouldn't do it, but Another great odds, but I wouldn't do it. Speaking of glaring endorsement here is where I would pick a Pac-12 team. And we all know it's coming. It's USC plus 1750. And the reason I love USC this year is because finally, finally, you talk about the, all the turmoil they had. They've had a lot. I mean, talk about just off like off the field type issues. Their athletic department has been a complete disaster for probably about the last four or five years. You know, Clay Helton came in as just kind of like, all shucks kind of, you know, just put there to be the figurehead of a sinking ship kind of coach, but they kept him there. Most of number one, because his buyout was insane too, just because they needed some sort of stability for people to look at, to avoid from all the craziness going on over here. But what they finally allowed him to do was kind of do what they needed for a long time, which is slowly replace their coordinators. And um, I, I think back, I think it was an article by uh, Mike McDaniel earlier about Notre Dame kind of going through the same thing, just the slow churn of coordinators over time. And what that provided was just an overall lifting of the product. And everyone was yelling for Brian Kelly's head. Everyone's been yelling for Clay Elton's head. He's been on the hot seat almost like the first or second position for the last three years. Um, and I thought they finally did that last year with Todd Orlando. But similar to what happened to Virginia Tech, he came in, he tried to instill a completely new scheme in the offseason. If anything, Pac-12, I think, had the worst protocols in place. Their entire offseason was just a disaster when you think about trying to implement a new scheme. Um, but his defense, if you follow them out through the years, is just completely based off of creating havoc, creating turnovers. And it actually worked last year, granted small sample size, but uh, they created 16 turnovers in six games. They had 16 turnovers in their entire season the year prior. So this is just a guy who now has incredible talent all over the field, and now he has a full offseason to fully implement a scheme. You know, the funny anecdotes coming out, I follow USC pretty closely. They're actually tackling in practice. I thought that was pretty neat, you know, uh, to have a, a power five team that actually tackles in practice and practice it. Um, but you mix that with what they have rolling on offense, uh, you know, another year of development in the air raid under Graham Harrell with the offensive side of the football, Keaton Slovis being kind of just – you know, a pretty under the radar type guy out there on the West Coast. No one watches him play, but he's great. Um, and they not only have one, but they have two elite Drakes on their football team. So that's got to count for something. You know, if you have not one, but two. So you have Drake London, the wide receiver, 6'5". I think he's like 215. The guy is insane. He's going into his uh, junior season. And then you have Drake Jackson, their edge rusher, has a lot of that kind of like defensive end linebacker hybrid kind of you know, that TJ Watt kind of stand up hybrid kind of uh, uh, edge rusher there. He's not going to get any accolades because Kayvon Thibodeau exists in the Pac-12. But overall, if you're looking for a team to kind of come out of nowhere, nowhere being because, you know, USC gets ridiculed like Miami and Texas is always being back when they're not. Uh, but this year, I think they finally got all those pieces together. And the biggest thing for them is just stability. Uh, so coming into season, they don't play Oregon until a potential title game in the Pac-12 title game. And, you know, if that happens with their schedule and their reputation and beating Notre Dame, you know, they can definitely have an outside shot and a plus one, uh, It's just really solid value. Right. Uh, can you, can you follow that up with a little bit of common sense here, please? <laughs> That's my pick. That's the funny thing. I didn't want to pick in my, uh, my dark horse teams also USC, 
I mean, Keaton Slovis. No, no, don't do it. I mean, You're Chris giving Bumper. Chris more power. Don't but, uh, do we're it. We're really doing this, huh? I keep bringing really, that up. We're really doing this. Yeah, we're really doing this. Uh, I mean, Keaton Slovis, I mean, another great QB. I mean, the Pac-12 is, to me, wide open. Um, I think there's a couple teams that could run the table. Uh, I think I think USC is probably your best chance of running the table in the Pac-12 and without Oregon on the schedule. I mean, I think the media, the playoff committee is dying to have USC back in power. So I think if they run the table at all, I mean, if they run the table, maybe even one loss to Notre Dame, if they and they're, and I think it's possible with a conference championship that they still could sneak in. So that's really all I have to say. Chris was so passionate about it. I really didn't have to get a chance to say anything or anything. So I agree with Chris is what I'm going to say. I feel a little weird about throwing mine out there because they have better odds than my Cincinnati pick right off the top. But I'm going to go with Florida um, plus 1600. They do have a decent amount of talent returning now. I understand they lost Kyle Trask. Um, they obviously lost some skill position talent as well. Kadarius Tony, chief among them. But they do have a quarterback in Emory Jones who has seen some action behind Kyle Trask. He has played. He's been in the rotation. He's had packages for him in that Dan Mullen offense. And I really like what they're bringing back defensively as well. They do have a lot of talent. They've recruited well. I think Emory Jones is going to be really good. You know, what I've seen out of him, he's, he's gone in there, he's been composed, and I understand he hasn't had a ton of playing time, so we don't have a huge sample size, but he was one of the most talented quarterbacks in the uh, recruiting class a few years ago. I think he's been on campus now three years, but he was a really talented kid coming out of high school, and Dan Mullen, I mean, he's really high on him, which Dan Mullen's quarterbacks have been pretty good at Florida, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with Florida. I think they're a decent dark horse pick in the SEC. Nobody's really talking about them in the SEC East because Georgia is going to be really good. And, you know, you look at, you know, A&M and how good they're going to be and how good Bama is supposed to be. So nobody's really talking about Florida. They're flying under a radar a little bit. And Dan Mullen always has them really well coached. I don't hate that one. I, I don't hate that. I mean, they are a team that's getting really good odds compared to the talent that they do have. And they beat Georgia and Jacksonville. They're looking pretty good. I mean, they were really close to beating Bama in the SEC championship last year. I'm going to circle back. Circle of life here. I'm going to go Cincinnati. I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous with the path that they have. Plus 2,700. I would actually, I don't want to tell you to go bet your money on something, but this is as close as I will get to instructing you or giving the listeners homework to go put money on Cincinnati. Because if they do hit, that is incredible, incredible value. And you're looking at a team that is returning. So much talent, NFL talent, players that will be playing on Sundays in a few years. And their two toughest games are Indiana and Notre Dame, both teams who will almost certainly take a step back from what they were last year. But you know the college football playoff committee is going to treat that Notre Dame win like they beat the 2016 New England Patriots or something. Bet Cincinnati. Bet Cincinnati. Even if you don't think they're going to do it, just bet Cincinnati. Houston's going to be down this year. Central Florida has to replace a lot and has new coach Gus Malzahn, who we all know cannot really win big games. I love Cincinnati this season to make the playoff. I love it. It's one of my favorite in terms of like making money on something that might actually happen. Cincinnati might be the best bet. All right. We are going to move into conference champs for the power five. We're going to go east to west which means we would start with the ACC. Is anybody picking somebody other 
than Clemson. Uh, UNC, of course, right, guys? Am I right? No. We love them, right? We talked about that last week. We love North yeah. Carolina this year, I thought. Yeah, Clemson, Sam Howell. This is the year. Clemson is at minus 900 to win the conference. Minus oh, 900. <laughs> Honestly, that's actually, I actually thought it would be more than that, <laughs> to be honest. That is outrageous. Coastal chaos. I mean, I just don't see any team that can be that's confidently can beat Clemson, even with a new quarterback. There's no team in the Pretty Coastal good. that has a coaching staff good enough to prepare for Clemson on a neutral site in a short-term basis. Yeah, and no team has a depth either. It just doesn't matter. Nope. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, it really <laughs> doesn't matter. So we're going well, to move on then uh, to the SEC, which is a whole lot more fun to talk about. The SEC champion, who we got. Uh, Mike, do you want to chime in on this one? Mike is a busy man, if y'all didn't know. Yeah, I'm going to slide out of here in a minute. Um, and Sam's got my picks, so he'll uh, he'll make sure to get those in. But um, yeah, my SEC picks, Bama. I, I mentioned that Georgia's the best team in the SEC, talent-wise. I really do believe that, but I can't bet against Nick Saban, guys. <laughs> I mean, I... It doesn't happen often that he loses the SEC, right? It's at once every five years or so. And I, this could be the year because, you know, Georgia does have the more talented team, in my opinion, but it's it's marginal. And we don't know what Bryce Young's going to be. If he walks in and he's like Tua or something, then, I mean, it's uh, there's going to be no drop-off. Um, they're, they're loaded everywhere. And I have a hard time. I have a hard time picking Kirby Smart against Nick Saban in a head-to-head. It's it's been close a couple times, but I just have a hard time really gun to my head doing that. So famous pick. I don't have to pick Kirby Smart over Nick Saban because I don't think Nick Saban's going to make the SEC championship game this year. He's in every other year. They're in every other year program. Again, like no program has ever been that good, but this is an off year. And give me Georgia at plus one ninety. They're the most talented team. I think they have the easiest road to get there. I mean, they have games where they're going to be able to sit their starters for entire quarters. So talk about depth. I think they'll end up playing the Texas A&M Aggies. Texas A&M is plus 550 to win the West Division. I think that's great value considering that they do get Alabama at home this year. But in a neutral site game, I like JT Daniels and I like Georgia. Plus 190, I feel like is good value for Georgia. Give me the dogs to win the SEC this year. So I was a little bit on the fence here because I just gave my undying love for Mike Elko and the Texas A&M Aggies. And I did like them a lot at 1,200, but this is a different value prop here. And this is where you can actually get Bama at less than 200 odds. And getting them at minus 160 seems like the odds on value pick, just far none. They won five, I think, of the last seven SEC championships. They're always in the mix. And really, when you're picking conference, you just want who is going to be in the mix at the end of the year. Um losing Sark, you know, they have that kind of recuperate your career uh, pipeline coming in at Alabama. And with, I believe, Bill O'Brien coming in, it gives them to me, I would think, to be a competitive advantage. And plus, Bryce Young was the odds on, I think, top recruit or one of the top recruits at the quarterback position. They reload. They don't rebuild off year. Be damned. I think that, uh, you know, just Bama, once again, just reigns supreme. I actually do think to agree with Sam, there actually might be a chance that Alabama isn't even in the SEC championship because uh, LSU will be, obviously. Uh, right, guys? Yeah. Anyway, I think that Chris touched on Bill O'Brien, but I don't know if Bill O'Brien 
being involved in your team is ever a competitive advantage. Uh, I mean, he's he is the man who traded away DeAndre Hopkins and didn't even get a first-round pick for him. So I am going to go with Georgia here. I'm going to go with Georgia. Plus 190, I, I just think that when you combine talent and experience, they are the best team in the conference. The question, again, is can they get over that hump? But I, I think they can. And they have won the SEC with with Kirby Smart before. People forget about that, but even though they didn't necessarily win the national championship that year, they still made it to the playoff by winning the SEC. Like they've done it before. Uh, it's just a matter of what will they do on the national stage. Yeah, I think I'm going Alabama. Simply, this is this is going to be this isn't going to be the Alabama team that was just had the, one of the craziest offenses you've ever seen in your life uh, last year, and it was almost like LSU in 2019. This is going to be like an Alabama team of old with nine returning stars on defense. Um, yeah, you lose Sertan and. Christian Barmore, but other than that, I mean, they still have nine freaking good players that are coming back. I mean, they got the guy with the coolest, actually, really, probably with Sauce Gardner. I mean, Kool Aid McKinstry coming in to replace Sertan. I mean, that guy is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, they're saying he's going to be, you know, top five pick in three years. Um, Juco transfer Kyrie Jackson is also supposed to be really good. That's behind um, Ronald Williams. So it's going to be, I, I just have a hard time going against, um, Nick Saban as well. I'm with Mike there. It's just hard to go head to head. I know this is if this is if not now, when as Mike always says for teams, this is it for Georgia. I think Kirby Smart. I think if he fails again to make the playoff, I think Georgia's going to be you know start you know asking around just because he was supposed to be the one to lead lead to the promised land with all these players. So, but I think Bama. It's hard to bet against them, and I really think Bryce Young is an absolute stud. I was when I was in California. I saw him play um, at seven on seven, and uh, when I was interning out there, and he's the real deal. He's no joke. Brett, thanks for breaking the tie. We have three Bamas and two Georgias. Mm, we're we're gonna move. <laughs> Welcome to college football. Yeah, I know, right? That the one year that Georgia won the ACC, they lost to Alabama in the national title game. Can we just make sure we get full circle on that one? So. Let's not let's not think that Bama's just in a down year that one year when Georgia won. Like this has always been Bama's show, and they just allowed Georgia to possibly win it and then went ahead and still beat them when it counted the most. So come on. Hey, they shouldn't have lost to Auburn. The Big Ten. Uh I'm I have them in my playoff. I think they're one of the most talented teams in the country. I think they're gonna steamroll through their schedule outside of that Oregon game. Ohio State, they're minus 220 to win the Big Ten. I do not see a lot of difficult games for them on the schedule outside of Oregon. I think maybe Penn State, if they get things together, could be a tough game. But again, that is at home in the horseshoe, and Ohio State does have the third longest home winning streak in the country. I don't see anybody really challenging Ohio State in the Big Ten this year. Chris? So I kept this exercise and just trying to find the best value and at just over 200 odds, I think they're at minus 220. I did not go OSU, and so I picked the kind of runner-up, which was Wisconsin at plus 600. Now, don't get me wrong. Wisconsin is somewhat of a flawed team, but if you do look at their schedule, it lines up perfectly to where they get every single tough game at home. Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan, and Iowa are all home games this year for Wisconsin. So really the only tough road teams that they have to win to kind of get to the title game at the end of the year is Northwestern and Minnesota, which I believe are completely beatable teams this year. So the only real tough game they're going to have to play in that neutral site is a potential matchup with Ohio State. 
Um, and so if you just get there, you get into the equation, you know, that's all you can really ask for in this instance. Like I said, that differentiator for me was that kind of just over 200 versus plus 600 odds. So I'm going to go with the value. You get there, you kind of see what happens. And then who knows? We have no idea what CJ Stroud is because every time that we've come into an Ohio State season, there's been some sort of like known commodity at the quarterback position because they've had these guys groomed for a couple of years and they stagger them every once in a while. So this is the first year where you had Ryan Day standing alone as the new head coach with a completely unproven, we haven't seen him before, quarterback. So until I see that kind of run the table through an entire season, I'm going to bet against it. In this case, I'm going to go Wisconsin at plus 600. Even like I said, though, I'm just going with the value there. I am going to go with Ohio State minus 220. I I think that much like Clemson, I think that Ohio State just has a pretty strong stranglehold on the Big Ten, and it's hard to imagine anyone else kind of overtaking them. But here's something I will throw in here. Ohio State's odds to not make the playoff are plus 150. Now, even though I do think they win the Big Ten, I think that they lose to Oregon, and then we have seen Ohio State just completely drop a random Purdue or Iowa or whoever game like that. And again, the Big Ten stinks, but there could be an upset in there somewhere along the way, and suddenly Ohio State's got two losses. They may still win the conference, but two losses will not get you into the playoff, especially this year. So I think that I do like Ohio State minus 220 to win the conference, but I also like them plus 150 to not make the playoff. I don't hate it. And I might have a tweet coming out later tonight that shows you how much money you would have to bet on Ohio State to make the playoff and not to make the playoff to uh, end up making money on that one. But yeah, the Big Ten is just kind of a weird one because you look at the Big Ten East and you see like Michigan, Penn State, even Michigan State, and you're like, oh man, Ohio State, they're always going to have a tough schedule. And they really don't. Like they really don't have a tough schedule and they only play Wisconsin or Iowa so many times every few years, Um, which I think divisions, we could have a whole podcast about this, but divisions is kind of one of the issues with the polarization of college football right now is that Ohio State basically gets to play, you know, Nebraska and Illinois in there crossovers or whatever like that let's go to a conference that won't be a conference for too much longer the big 12 the big 12 is headlined by oklahoma and iowa state and we've talked about these two teams a bit let's go into a bit more of it mike's got oklahoma i'll have mike on all of the graphics i have oklahoma as well i'm wearing a sooners jersey right now at minus 170 i think they're the more talented team and i think they're going to end up playing iowa state in a championship game setting and in a championship game setting, I'm pretty confident going with the well-coached team that has the bigger, faster, stronger athletes. So give me Oklahoma. And I think Oklahoma, we'll get into Heisman a little bit later, but I do think that they'll have probably the best quarterback on the field, no matter who they play this year in Spencer Rattler. Chris? Yeah, I also agree here, Oklahoma. They've won six of the last seven Big 12 championships with the title game and without. They're the best team in the Big 12 by far and have always been. As long as Lincoln Riley is there and he has a quarterback who's probably going to be the, not probably, is and probably will maintain to be the odds-on Heisman favorite. We'll get to that in a second all season long. Plus, number one, uh, this has been the quietest Oklahoma type offseason. I've heard they have the odds backing them up as a favorite, but you just don't hear much about them right now in the offseason. A lot of people picking them or not picking them, which seems odd for a team that's always kind of been in the in the the kind of 
finals uh, picture at the end of every season. I've heard a lot about Iowa State, and that to me just uh, I cringe uh, when I see a lot of people picking their their darling. I think this is just a lot more people um, are looking at Matt Campbell as a potential you know kind of higher level NFL head coach. Same thing as Lincoln Riley, but I think Matt Campbell's even surpassed him in that. And I just think overall, I'm getting like. 2019 going into 2020 type vibes from Iowa State in regards to comparing them to Minnesota, where they had all those momentum coming back with their program. And there was a lot of kind of, hey, the returning production, the quarterback, it's always kind of been there, even though this every once in a while, he's not consistent. I, if I'm looking for consistency and premier talent from end to end and a good head coaching staff, granted, minus the assistant head coach this year, I'm going to go with Oklahoma. They have the best odds. And minus, uh, was it 160? Um, so, yeah, yeah. Give me Oklahoma. Excuse me, minus 170. I'm also in on Oklahoma, minus 170, obviously, considering I'm picking them to win the national championship. The Big 12 is, much like the SEC, I think, a two-headed race. Uh, but I do think that Oklahoma is just far and away the better team, and they're the best team in the country. Yeah, much the same here, Oklahoma. I mean, only team standing in their way for me is, like I said earlier, is Iowa State. Um, they're probably the second-best team in the conference uh, in the and they have probably one of the best players in the country. Spencer Rattler, better defense. I mean, I can see them winning it all as well. So much more of the same here. Are we a Boomer Sooner podcast now? We were this close to being an NC State podcast. I think we're a Boomer Sooner podcast now. I don't like I, think- I don't like liking Oklahoma as I much as I do liking NC State. I don't know. I think we just like the color red a lot. That very well could be it. They do have nice uniforms. All right, let's move out west to the Pac-12. Guys, I I talked about them a little bit earlier. I think this is a team that has a chance to make the college football playoff. I think they have probably the best pure football player in the country in Kevon Thibodeau. Give me the Oregon Ducks. They're at plus 250 to win the Pac-12. I think that's pretty good considering the talent gap that they have over the teams in the South. Again, USC is a good team, but I don't think the talent level is quite up to what it is at Oregon. So I think on a neutral site, give me Oregon. I don't worry about them too much, not making the Pac-12 title game. Washington, uh, they still have some questions. I will say, though, and we'll get into this a little later, Utah, if you grab them at plus 600 to win the Southern Division, congratulations. It is now at plus 250. I'll get into Utah later. I'll get into Utah later. I'll, I'll hold my tongue. Chris? You have to know where I line on this one. Uh, USC plus 400 for the same reasons I listed before as the dark horse. And I wanted to give one extra little nugget there for a lot of people who have just kind of been wavering on them a little bit. When you think of USC and their biggest inconsistency, it's been the offensive line. They finally replaced their offensive line coach. It's one of those kind of unheralded, under-the-radar hires that no one ever thinks of, but they finally went out. And they got a guy who has that kind of Mike Leach background of teaching the air raid offensive line scheme, which is a little different of a skill set than your kind of traditional type scheme that they've been running. So uh, the guy they got, uh, I think his name is Clay McGuire. So not only do they have two Drakes, they have two Clays, Clay Helton and Clay McGuire and the head coaching staff. So you can, you can take that for what it's worth. But um, he's a solid developmental guy. He's been churning guys in the NFL. It's a really, really, really solid high for them. I do think you'll see some improvement in one of their biggest weaknesses, which if you have a team that's creating havoc on the defense, giving the ball back to an air raid offense, and you just kind of maintain that, they're going to put up a lot of points this year. And uh, last time I checked, the more points you have means the more wins you're probably going to have. And one of those wins is going to be over Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. So give me USC at plus 400. I'm going with the quack attack. Oregon plus 250. 
as I alluded to earlier, I think that they're a playoff team. Um, and I just don't think that the Pac-12 really has enough talent to contend with them when they are at their best. Plus, you add on the fact that I think Mario Cristobal is one of the best coaches in the country, both as a recruiter and an in-game coach. Uh, I really do think Oregon has found a gem in him. And I think that they will win the conference this year, make the playoffs, and they will continue to ascend to who knows how far. Yeah, I'm going to be in line with Chris again with USC. Um, honestly, the Pac-12 is wide open. I think there's like three or four teams that honestly could win it. Uh, I know the Pac-12 last year was – that season really didn't happen. Honestly, it was really strange. I mean, <laughs> I don't think Oregon's going to go out and lose to California and Oregon State to end the season again. I just don't think that's going to happen. But I think the Pac-12 is wide open, but I like USC. I mean, they have probably the best – one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the conference. And I think it's their time. I think I think this is it. I think this is the year USC finally breaks through and gets back to where they were. The Pac-12 is definitely one to look at. We'll talk a little bit about them and teams that we love or hate to round things out. But Brett, why don't you kick off our Heisman Trophy winner conversation? This is always a tough one. In the last few years, it has been long shots that have won the Heisman Trophy with Joe Burrow in 2019 and Devonta Smith in 2020. Yep. And I'm going to be sticking with that mantra or mantra, however you want to call it. I'm going to be going with because of pure value with just the value on it with Desmond Ritter at plus 3000. I mean, this guy has a chance to put up insane numbers this year with the competition they're playing and give him spectacular games against Indiana Notre Dame back to back. And then it goes the season undefeated and then they get it. Then they're a lock in the playoffs. I, I mean, why would you not pick him? I mean, he's going to, if he puts his team on his back and leads to leads a team to the first, the first non-power five team to the playoff. I mean, they have to pick him. I, I, it's to me. It's unless somebody puts up some crazy numbers. I mean, it would be. I think it would be do him do him injustice not to give him not to give it to him if he has good numbers and then uh, leads them to a playoff for the first non-power five team to get into a four-team playoff. Now, when it expands, we'll see how that goes out. But for a four-team for a non-power five team to get into a four-team playoff led by a quarterback that's going to be probably drafted in the first round, I think it's going to be a hard argument against him, especially if he has big games like I said against Notre Dame and Indiana. So plus 3,000, Desmond Ritter. So my official pick here, I think, is going to continue with my Oklahoma theme, and then Spencer Rattler at plus 800. But seeing as he is the favorite, and I think that I, that's just a really chalky pick. Uh, and again, while I think that that's what's going to happen, I'm going to throw another name out here that I think is a really good value. And to me, that's Derek King from Miami at plus 2,500. Uh, I, I know all you Hokie fans out there are cringing. The Hokie fan inside of me is also cringing, but at least it's not Sam Howell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, keep Sam Howell as far away from that Heisman Trophy as possible. He can go eat his Bojangles in a corner somewhere. I think Derek King is a special, special, special athlete. You know, he is coming back from that injury, and that is kind of the big question mark: is how can he recover from that uh, gruesome knee injury that he did suffer? But nowadays, guys are coming back from that, and as quickly, a lot more quickly than they have in the past. And they are able to play sometimes even better than they were before. Um, if he can play at full health, he and this Miami team could really find some success. Um, I think Miami's offense is kind of geared towards his skill set. He's not the greatest downfield thrower in the world, but they find ways to allow him to not only use his legs, but to find those shorter options and uh, kind of just build up numbers with just giving the ball to guys in space and those guys make plays. 
And the numbers might be a bit deceiving at times and make him look maybe a little better than he is. But we have seen that the Heisman nowadays is almost entirely a numbers game. It's just numbers and wins. Um, And I think he will put up some really, really crazy numbers. He has almost every weapon coming back. He has a really, I mean, playing in the ACC, especially this year, there aren't a lot of good defenses. The only really competent, we'll say, defenses that he plays this year, in my opinion, are Alabama week one and then Pitt. So that's 10 games right there where you're playing some pretty so-so offenses at best. Speaking of that Alabama game, a strong week one performance. I mean, that could really bolster his case. Even if they don't win, if he goes out there and lights it up and he and they keep it close, I think that he'll start garnering a lot of national attention. Um, and again, this isn't my official bet because my official bet is on Rattler. But 25 to 1 on De'Eric King is a really, really, really good value in my opinion. Yeah, and one thing De'Eric King also has going for him is like the storyline, right? Horrific injury with the ACL to end last year. Then he rehabs, he comes back. He's one of the first major college football players to really embrace NIL as a business opportunity, not just, hey, buy a shirt with my initials on it. He's taking it to the next level. So I think with De'Ara King, like the storyline is building for him to be this comeback player who embraces the new age of college football and in it, plays for a really big brand in Miami. I think it's there. I might just put you down for De'Ara King just just for giggles but um you no know, Spencer Rattler is a phenomenal pick as well again I think Spencer Rattler is gonna be the best quarterback in the country I had to change out of my Oklahoma jersey for this one because I'm gonna go hook them horns Bijan Robinson at plus 2500 running back for Texas guys he is phenomenal the fact that he isn't getting 25 plus touches a game is egregious. I think he will in Steve Sarkeesian's offense. We saw what he did with Najee at Alabama. I think that Bijan Robinson is due for a breakout year. And again, the big brand, bringing back the big brand, I think is something that the Heisman Committee and the old-fashioned journalists are really going to love. He's going to get 25 to 30 touches a game, both as a running back and as a wide receiver. He's going to be involved in the special teams game. He's going to be in big games. He'll be nationally televised probably four or five times throughout the year, at least. I think Bijan Robinson is a phenomenal value at plus 2,500. He might be the best running back in the country, and he's not even really in the Heisman conversation right now. And as you've seen with Heisman voters, they've started to become a little less quarterback dependent. There was that run of quarterbacks, but then we've seen wide receivers get involved a little bit more. We've seen defensive players have better odds. Guys like Kevon Thibodeau, Uh, Even Kyron Williams for Notre Dame is a guy who's getting talked about as potentially could make it to New York. I really like Bijan Robinson this year at plus 2,500. Now, Sam, when you, so for people who, you know, can't see because you're listening to a podcast, Sam changed out of his Oklahoma jersey into a Boise State jersey. And I guess he was doing that just to not be wearing an Oklahoma jersey while he talked about a Texas player. But what I thought he was about to do was I thought you were pulling out the Boise jersey to throw out Hank Bachmeyer plus 25,000, and I was about to lose my mind. Oh, we'll talk about Hank Bachmeyer to end the show. Don't worry about that. Texas has to be good, don't forget, to have a Heisman winner. So just remember that. They'll they'll be good. I mean, Texas will not be a seven-win team this year. They'll be good. 
All right. So I had to kind of zag here from some of the consensus picks or even some of just kind of this overall narrative of this. But go back to 2010. You look at the Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks, which have won the majority of the time. But even amongst the quarterbacks, what's the common skill set that a lot of these quarterbacks have that up their production? And like, you know, Irby pointed out, Derek King with the running part of his game is a, is a pretty sensible pick. I just happen to think he's probably not going to make it through the season with two uh, right knee injuries over the course of the last two or three years. So uh, for me, I'm going to go with the most likely person to not only stay healthy, but put up video game numbers probably the whole season long. And that's Matt Corral, Ole Miss. So if you're talking about overall stats and production, and you're looking at who's won in the past, it doesn't really matter if they've been on the best team overall in the country because you've seen uh, some teams not have that player, and yet they overall are just there at the end of the season because of the production. And quarterback from probably one of the most high-powered kind of potent offenses, Lane Kiffin down there in Mississippi, to me this makes the most amount of sense. If you saw his change that he had from year to year from 2019 and 2020 going to Lane Kiffin um, it was a massive improvement and the trajectory of where he's going I mean he almost had 30 touchdowns granted he had 14 receptions you got to clean that up but he still also had 500 rushing yards plus 500 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns in addition to his I think about 3,300 yards passing and 29 uh, excuse me yeah 29 touchdowns um, and that was only over 10 games. So he's going to get a couple more games in there in the regular season. So uh, if you're just projecting growth at what I would consider to be favorable odds, because yes, yeah, Spencer Rattles, the odds on favorite plus 800. But if you can double those odds and get somebody who's going to put up an insane amount of production with a quarterback precedent for passing and running, kind of those, you know, the standard dual threat quarterbacks, college football loves getting dual threat quarterbacks, high twin trophies. And I can think of no other pick that makes the most amount of sense from an injury history, the type of offense, the premier matchups he's going to get an old Miss playing in featured Saturday games against all these marquee opponents uh, against Alabama, against LSU, against Texas A&M. This, this guy's going to get some primetime playing time to show up uh, kind of on Saturdays and, and, you know, do what he does. And at, like I said, plus 1600 Matt Corral, you know, long shots, why not go in that direction? He'll have to take better care of the ball, but he's certainly a guy who's going to put up video game numbers um, beyond a doubt. Guys, let's wrap things up with some teams that we love or teams that we hate this year. We don't have to get too specific, just some teams to, that the people can really look out for this year that you think will have big years, really good years against the spread. You like their over-under, so the win totals. Uh, I'll start it out. I'm wearing a Boise State jersey, so I'll go to them. They're my third team on my list of three that I really like. I like them against the spread a little bit more than I do on the over-under win totals, which I believe is at eight and a half. They do have to play Oklahoma State in the non-conference, and they have some tough in-conference matchups. I'm not super confident in them having a, a 10 or 11 win season, but against the spread, I really like them. They're finally going to have the combination of Hank Bachmeyer and Khalil Shakur healthy. And those two guys healthy could be dynamite. I really like that. Andy Avalos, who was the defense coordinator at Oregon, former Boise State linebacker. He's back at head coach, and he's going to bring an energy with that veteran defense they have. I think they're going to be dominant. They're going to score a lot of points and not allow teams to score a lot, which means they're going to cover the spread a lot. I would watch out for Boise State this year covering the spread. Before I move on to my others, anyone else? Who do you love? I, I love Maryland a lot. 
Um, really? I love their, their, yeah. See, their over under total right now is at five and a half. So not, and so it's not the state of Maryland. You like the actual football team of Maryland. Um, I like Oriole Park at Camden Yards, <laughs> and that is the only part of the state of Maryland that I like. And I also like their football team this year. They haven't put a track uh, can over that thing yet after the season the Orioles have had. Hey, hey, hey. Don't talk about the park. The park is lovely. It is a lovely baseball experience, especially if you're a fan of the other team. They need some air fresher in that stadium because that team stinks this year. I think it's kind of a bad stadium. I'm not going to lie. I've been there for a few games. No, I like Camden Yards. All right, we'll move back. But we'll move on. No, no, no. Yeah, sell, Sam, me we'll the the, sell me no, on no, the Maryland. Sell me on the Turtles. We'll take that offline, Sam. I, <laughs> yeah. But yes, the Maryland Turtles. I mean, I like my, what Mike Loxley is doing. Uh, I know that they're kind of have some hit or miss performances. I think he's doing well in the recruiting trail at times. Uh, he's got, you know, baby Tua, Talia Tagovailoa's, who is Tua's little brother. Um, this is kind of one of those teams where it's like, it's kind of like Georgia Tech for me, where they're going to have some, some games where they play really well and they're going to have some games where they play downright terrible. But the thing is, is the Big Ten is just really not that good that over under win total is set at five and a half. So I think six and six is very, very, very doable for a team that does have such a high end talented quarterback like Talia and has a coach that has come from that saving coaching tree in Mike Loxley. Uh, I don't think it's unrealistic to say that they go six and six this year. Robert, I'll follow you up on the Maryland thing. Talia might not even be the starting quarterback for Maryland this year. Reese Udinsky who's coming in from VMI. Absolutely blew every record book out of VMI and blew every record book out for FCS for two years and pro style quarterback. I mean, he's going to have some serious NFL looks. Uh, so Maryland might be a team honestly to watch out for something that I love, not for the year, but we're not going to talk about week zero, but I'm going to steal. I think a couple of people's thunder here. UConn plus 27 and a half week zero going to have to bet that. I mean, who, why are they getting 28? Why is Fresno state? favored by four touchdowns. I don't even know. I don't know who watches Fresno State, really. I mean, UConn's played football in two years, but that's two years of practice. But who knows? But, you know, we're not talking about practice. But, I mean, I love 27 and a half. Uh, 27 and a half for UConn at the, when week zero. And I also love Illinois plus seven because who the heck knows is going to happen in Nebraska. Um, and, I mean, I'm going to talk about Nebraska here in a minute. But I will let I'll let other people chime in about things they love. Who would I be if I didn't bring up the Sun Belt? Sun Belt, Fun Belt. And it's usually a three-team race. And to me, the best odds that you can get this year is plus 400 Appalachian State. I'm going to tell you why. All right. They have been the program probably in the last two or three years that has the most amount of turnover. So we're actually getting some actual continuity at the head coaching position for Appalachian State for once, for a change here. And I think that it's going to be one of those things where they're going to all be kind of neck and neck towards the end of the season. But I think once that hot coach, turns to be that hot seat kind of coaching candidate pool starts spiking up again, the two top candidates you're going to see thrown around again because they were interviewed last year are going to be Jamie Chadwell and it's going to be Billy Napier again. Those teams don't stay focused. They're going to have a hiccup. Appalachian State, Sunbelt, title winners plus 400 also have a slight inside edge of being that group of five team that can make a new year's six bowl game as that g5 pick i wouldn't i couldn't find odds on that i'm still trying to manage to find that so if i get some locks to help me out with that that'd be great but 
over a team like Cincinnati, who I think actually has a pretty tough schedule. People were talking about them having, you know, Notre Dame and Indiana, but but they still have to play that overall conference slate and get through it unscathed. Not the case for App State. Give me the Mountaineers, uh, plus 400, some belt champions. I can't help you with the uh, uh, New Year's Six odds, but what I can give you is that Chase Bryce, the new starting quarterback for Appalachian State, is also plus 25,000 to win the Heisman. Just saying. He, we we talked because he has peaked, but he can probably do it with Appalachian State. So again, I, I like that. The, the man whose entire college career is based off of one drive against Syracuse. We talked about this offline, but if I needed one drive against Syracuse, I could get you into field goal range. I genuinely think so. With Clemson, and if you had tra- if you had Travis Etienne, you could, yeah, you could you definitely just, get into field goal range. Hand off the ball, and you can oh, just do it out of the man. shotgun. You don't even have like you don't have to turn around. Just you know, hand it to him. Oh, just well, catch the snap. That's all you got to do is go catch to, the snap. That's that's true. Before we go to things we hate, I, I'll give you two teams that I love, and and I'm I know I'm the Mountain West guy on this. Uh, Chris, the Sunbelt guy, I'm the Mountain West guy. If you like NFL football, you need to tune into Nevada games this year. Carson Strong, within two years, is going to be starting for an NFL franchise. He's one of the most accurate, prototypical NFL quarterbacks that you are going to see. He has all of the tools. He's throwing to a guy in Romeo Dobbs who's going to be an NFL receiver as well. He is a freak. He's like 6'3", 215, 220, runs like a deer. They are returning 10 starters on offense. They're returning nine starters on defense. Their non-conference is a cakewalk. They have games against Cal, which they're not going to be favored in, but should win. Idaho State at Kansas State, which they're not going to be favored in, but should win. And New Mexico State, which is barely even a program anymore. That's four. Their over-under win total is eight. All they need to go do is go, you know, a little over 500 in the Mountain West, and they cover that eight. I love them over eight, and I love them against the spread because they're going to put up a lot of points, and it's a really good team. I love Nevada. And we've talked about it a bit, but Utah, their over-under has jumped an entire game. It is up to nine and a half. The betters are flooding in on Utah, and there's good reason for it. Charlie Brewer got named the starting quarterback, and their odds jumped. He's probably the best pure quarterback that program has had since Alex Smith in terms of throwing the football. And that is dangerous because they return a lot. They're going to be dominant on the defensive line. And they're going to have a lot of favorable road lines this year. Road lines, all right, it's about two and a half to three points of a swing compared to what they would normally see on a neutral field. They get to play BYU, San Diego State, Oregon State, Stanford, and Arizona on the road. Those are teams that they are miles better than already, and you're going to get favorable lines against them. I love Utah against the spread, and I might even love them to go 10-2 and two this regular season and cover that over. Those are the teams that I love. So are we going to talk about teams we hate? Because I have one that I I hate. Well, I love the pick. It's, it's like a love-hate thing, you know? It's, it's kind of hard to say. But I'm going to go ahead and say it. Uh, Nebraska, under six. Why their line is at six, I don't know. I don't even know why it was at six to begin with. But now is definitely not. They are not winning six games. I don't care who you, I don't care who you are. I mean, just anyway, they have Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, Ohio State, Minnesota, Michigan State, and Oklahoma. 
on their schedule. And that leaves Minnesota, Purdue, and Northwestern. I mean, I don't (laughs) – at the rate that they're going right now, I mean, they might lose to Illinois week one. And just the vibes that are going around right now, them, you know, rumors of them sabotaging their own head coach, trying to get them out and all this stuff that's coming out or whatever. I, Nebraska six wins is crazy to me. That I, this is one of the, I think one of my better locks I have on the years under six. I mean, I don't see them really competing in several of these games just because they're good teams. And obviously, playing Oklahoma out of conference doesn't help them. So, I mean, that's my first team pick that I hate slash love of Nebraska being at six wins. Recency bias, mind you, but even without the recency, I didn't see how they would get to six wins anyway. Uh, I forgot to say something about Utah, a bullet point. Can I, can I, it's probably the best one. Oh, we're backtracking. That's fine. Go ahead. Yeah. We're going to backtrack real quick. Uh, They're 28, 17 and one against the spread since 2017. Wow. That's really good. I mean, that's well above 60%. So um, I just had to throw that out there. I forgot to say it. I'm sorry, but let's go back to things that we hate. Yeah. That's better than what we picked last year for sure. That was better than our records against the spreads last year. It was a COVID year. I mean, what do you want me to do? I just hope one of us has is 500 this year. That's all I want. I'll pick one team that I hate. I'll just kind of keep the ball rolling here and programs that I think are doomed for a disaster season. And while I've been joking about kind of Shane and the South Carolinas uh, aside here, I'm going to pick another SEC team here that's kind of spent the last week or so in the not-so-positive limelight as a program under a brand-new head coach, and that's Brian Harson and uh, Auburn Tigers. You want to talk about a pending disaster probably coming this season. Not only do they just have an overall insane schedule with their one non-conference opponent being Penn State, uh, but also just the murderous road that is the SEC West for them, but – Talk about a distraction going into the season. And you can just see the disparity between the two different ways that the Alabama kind of media, the sports media handles it in terms of putting the spotlight on teams. And you just look at Nick Saban and how he's handled everything going into the season. And you look at Harson as a new guy under now the intense SEC, specifically Alabama football lexicon of just getting ground to a pulp right now. Um, I see that as a huge distraction for them trying to go into the season and face the best of the best each and every week. Uh, welcome to the show, uh, Brian Harson. but you're seven and a half over underline. Give me the under on that one. This guy is not winning eight games in his first season, and I'm probably going to put that as a lock. I'm actually going to throw out an SEC team that I hate as well, and they are also in the SEC West. Who might that be? Alabama. I don't think that Alabama will make the playoff this year. And I suppose that is the definition of hating Alabama is that you just don't think that they'll make the playoff. Uh, Their odds to not make the playoff are plus 225. I think that's an incredible value. And here's the thing. I think that their offense will be uh, mediocre at times. Um, I think they're just losing a lot. I like Bryce Young. I like what he can bring to the table but I don't feel great about what Alabama has as weapons for him to throw it to and to hand the ball to you lose Najee Harris, who was a special player. You lose Devonte Smith, you lose Jalen Waddle. I like John Mechie, um, but I think he's going to need a few more. Uh, Young is going to need a few more targets to spread the ball out to. And I've, I said it earlier, I have zero faith in Bill O'Brien in his ability to call plays. The man hasn't been an offensive coordinator in 10 years. 
The last time he was an offense coordinator was for one season with the New England Patriots. And granted, you had Tom Brady in his prime, which I guess Tom Brady's entire career is his prime, but in his prime prime. So there wasn't really much he needed to do in that scenario. Other than that, his last offensive coordinator job was Duke for two years in 2005 and 2006. I just don't think that even though O'Brien is entering into this coach rehabilitation program, so to speak, I don't necessarily think he's in the right role right now. I think their offense will be stagnant at times, uh, and they have a tough schedule. You start this game, you start the season with Miami. I do think Alabama wins that game, but it could be close. Uh, that is kind of becoming a popular uh, pick is Miami to hang tight with Alabama, but they also have to play on the road at Florida, on the road at Texas A&M. You have Ole Miss, who is that up and coming team, and also my beloved LSU. So I, I do think that there is a chance that Alabama loses one of those five games that I just listed. And then I think Georgia gets over the talk over the top of them. Uh, and they finish with two losses and don't make the playoffs. So Alabama stamp it. I hate them. I mean, no better way to end it than with hating on Alabama and Nick Saban, but Hey, I, I don't hate it. Plus 225, not to make the playoff on FanDuel.com. Hit that up. Um, and everyone, just thanks for tuning in so much. We have had incredible support over the first two episodes this year. It is only getting better because next week, we get to pick live college football games with fans, everyone in attendance. It is going to be incredible. We are really excited. So a little bit quickly format on how we're going to do that. Obviously, we're going to do the Virginia Tech game against the sp- spread plus three other national games against the spread. And then we're going to let the fans choose the fifth game. So hit us up on Twitter with games that you want us to pick. We'll come out pretty early with the four that we already have scheduled to pick against the spread. And then you can come hit us up with a fifth game that you want. Be creative. Pick anything you want. If it's Nevada, UNLV, we'll do that. If it's Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, we'll do that too. We would love it. You can tweet at us at Locks of Saturday on Twitter. Tweet at Sons of Sat on Twitter. Uh, tweet at me at Sam of Saturday on Twitter. Just put it out there on the internet. And we'll go out and find it. But pick fifth game for us to choose. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back next Thursday morning. See you guys later. Go Hogies.